The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hot, hot, hike! Welcome back to another episode of Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl, and the last couple weeks I did a mini-series podcast on the potential draft picks for the Chicago Bears at that number nine pick. Many routes we can take. Um, Obviously, that was kind of based off of the decisions that they did make in free agency as the free agents you know, as free agency kind of moved along. So some of them maybe took a step back when they did start making other signings. For example, I think the first one I pushed out was Bijan Robinson. Uh, Now knowing they went and signed Deontay Foreman and with him and Travis Homer and, of course, running back number one, as it looks like right now, Khalil Herbert, uh, maybe that doesn't look like such a possibility whether they go and get somebody a little later in the draft because that Foreman uh, contract was only a year. So it's quite possible that Ryan Poles has his eye on someone that maybe he's going after in more, you know, third, fourth, fifth round. We will see. But either way, I'm kind of shifting gears now, and it's almost backwards, I guess, because we're getting closer to the draft, and I did my draft predictions for that number nine pick. But obviously, we have a ton of picks, so this next month or so, I'm going to go over, you know, those potential picks for the potential people's selections or player selections when it comes to those later picks. But right now I want to kind of shift gears because obviously making monsters is all about getting to know these guys beyond the football field. Uh, We love the X's and O's, but we also like to know, you know, them as a person a little bit. A lot of times when you're getting free agent guys, if you're not getting those like top tier, big, huge names, you may not know much about them because maybe last season was – Really, their first, they really started taking off just last season, or maybe they just were supposed to be better and they just really haven't found their groove yet. So that team didn't want to pay them, or maybe that team didn't have money to pay them, or maybe the Bears were offering more money. There's a lot of situations that lead free agents to other teams, but um, it's an important aspect of what starts to build this team. And we've gone over situations in the past of what really flipped teams' production. And it's a combination, of course, between free agents and free agency and the draft. But if you could really nail some guys that make a difference in free agency, 
veteran guys, you know, the guys who are comfortable, who have been to the playoffs, who have been have that leadership side of things. It really starts to change things. But anyway, so this next little kind of, I guess, mini series is all about our free agents. And we'll go through and I'll have an episode going and talking to guys or uh, reporters, beat reporters, people who cover them on radio, whatever it may be for their old team. Obviously, some of these players have been on multiple teams. I'm not going I'm not talking to every team they've ever talked uh, they've ever played for. What I'm kind of basing it off of off of is who we just got them from or maybe their most productive season. So, we'll take a look at that obviously when you look at the free agents for the Bears, they got Dylan Cole, a linebacker from Tennessee. That actually broke right when I was doing the interview with the Tennessee guy, so it was really convenient. We didn't super dive into Dylan Cole, but we did. I did. I was able to get a little information out of Dylan Cole. I mentioned uh, Deontay Foreman, running back. Of course, he was an addition. Robert Tunyon, I personally really liked this. Um, I think that we've seen Tunyon in productive years. Last season, obviously, the Packers were a mess, which we love, but it, it didn't look like he was doing much last season, but he has. He has produced in the past, and obviously you're, we're kind of hoping Cole Komet's the guy anyways. Um, we've seen Cole Komet grow as a player, and now that I think there are more opportunities or should be more opportunities in the passing game, that should open up Cole Komet even more. But to have someone who, like Robert Tunyon, could definitely help. He's also obviously filled with uh, uh, familiar with Luke Getze, so that helps. Andrew Billings, de- uh, defensive tackle, uh, that's another one. We've got P.J. Walker, obviously backup quarterback, but it is a good move in my opinion because it is someone who maybe plays a little bit more like the style of Justin Fields. So God forbid if something happens to Justin, we do have someone who is a little more alike in the way that Justin plays rather than having someone like Andy Dalton who literally played complete opposite and trying to have one of like each of them figure out the other offense because it just wasn't working clearly. Uh, I mentioned Travis Homer, another running back. Uh, Demarcus Walker, defensive end. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker. Nate Davis, offensive line. TJ Edwards, linebacker. Um, So all of these names, obviously, we really did bolster up our linebacking group, which I know a lot of people were mad that we didn't throw a ton of money at somebody for that defensive line. But in my eyes, I'm thinking Poles has a plan for that in the draft. That edge position and the corner position are two of the more stacked parts of the draft this season. And linebackers, not so much. Running backs, not so much. Um, So wide receivers, not so much. And so I think that the way that he handled this, obviously I didn't even mention DJ Moore because it technically wasn't in free agency. It happened right before that officially started, or maybe it was right at, oh, it was the Friday before. So right before free agency started, but technically you got to consider that one also. Anyways, today we're going to talk to Matt Perino. He's the Bills beat reporter for Syracuse.com. And by saying that, if you hear me say Bills, you probably already know I'm here today to talk about Tremaine Edmonds. He spent five seasons in Buffalo, former first-round draft pick, So let's go ahead and get into that with Matt. All right, now I'm joined by Matt Perino. He's the Bills beat reporter for Syracuse.com. So Matt, thanks so much for hopping on with me. I know right now we're still in that like second wave of free agency. So things are, little things are happening. It's not the big names dropping like we had a couple weeks ago, but there's still, there's still football going on and we're about a little over less, yeah, a little over than a month away from the draft. Uh, but I'm obviously here to talk to you about Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds, he spent five seasons in Buffalo, a former first-round pick for you guys, I think went seven or eight picks after we got Roquan. So um, that's a we'll talk about that a little bit because Bears fans weren't too happy about 
um, the giving Tremaine money and not giving Roquan money. But like I said, we'll get to there, get to that in a little bit. Let's start with the money portion at first, though. Edmonds was one of the biggest defensive free agents in the market, and the Bears paid him to show that. Uh, Bears fans, some of them kind of lost their mind a little bit that the Bears would pay him and not pay Roquan, but I guess they kind of forgot that Roquan asked for a trade, held out during camp, said he didn't want to be in Chicago anymore. So I think that Ryan Poles kind of took that as a, okay, let me see if I can find another guy. But do you say the contract he got for a year, $72 million, is kind of what you guys expected him to receive or a little more? Um, I think it was right in line with where things were trending. And it was a situation where with the Bills, they're in a much different situation than the Bears in that they're paying their quarterback. They're into the big money part of that contract. And, you know, the the ability to spend at other positions, especially like multiple places at other positions. Like you got to remember, too, they just gave an extension to Matt Milano, uh, who plays outside linebacker for them. And they're, they're on the hook for about 12 to 14 million per season over the next three with him. So to tie up 18 AAV in Tremaine Edmonds, as much as they would have liked to do so, it wasn't something that I think made the most sense, especially for a team that scored 10 points in the divisional round game and and was eliminated last year. So I think this was a combination of not being able to have the resources, but also wanting to use the limited resources they have at attacking the offensive side of the ball. I don't think it was necessarily indicative of what they thought about Edmonds. Actually, I mean, from conversations I've had in the building, um, they're pretty bummed about losing him. He was a huge part of what they did, what they did defensively. And Edmonds is, is a tough, like study because it's not really all about the the numbers or the splash plays it's kind of what deep offenses don't try to do when he's on the field mm-hmm. he, he covers so much ground he's they call him the condor right he's got these unbelievable traits these unbelievable measurables and he plays like that and he takes parts of the field away from quarterbacks and so I think that's what you're really paying for. And I think it's kind of like like right under the market value um, with Roquan Smith. Uh, I think, did he get paid a little bit more? Yeah. Five-year? I, I think it ended up being, so he got, uh, Edmonds had $72 million total on his contract, and Roquan's was like $100 million. So over the, the total of it, I think Roquan's was a little bit more, but it was like two more a year. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, I listen, I understand the frustration. And honestly, for a Bills fan base that is going to miss Edmonds too, there was a, a, a segment of it that was frustrated with his lack of big-time plays, interceptions, mm-hmm. sacks, tackles for a loss. Sometimes the biggest, like, knock on him has been his inability to read blocks, get off of, like, shoot blocks and get into the backfield. And that's something that, you know, in, in Chicago, I mean, with your elite linebackers over the years that's something that you're just used to guys being able to do especially at that price point so but the thing they're also paying for too that it's important to remember is the upside and the ceiling mm-hmm. I don't think Edmonds has hit his ceiling yet he's only 24 years old he'll turn 25 before next season and now you're getting him for just the very very beginning of his prime and you know he stayed pretty healthy over the first couple of years you when you pay this kind of money and, and give this kind of contract you got to hope that continues but I still think that there is area for him to ascend into and I think going and joining a new defense and and maybe a different like more aggressive style Mm -hmm. might even benefit him a little bit more because he was asked in the Bills defense to play in his own scheme Uh, a lot of it is based off of reads and reaction and and maybe if they can get him playing a little bit more downhill 
that might unlock him a little bit more. So I think that I'm really intrigued with what next season looks like with Edmonds. Yeah, I'm personally, I liked the signing. I was I was a major defender of it was time to let Roquan go. I love Roquan. He's one of my favorite people, one of my favorite football players, but it just wasn't it wasn't working here anymore, and that that's on the field and off the field. But another reason, and you kind of mentioned the, the scheme side of things, but another reason that Poles mentioned he wanted to go with Edmonds and did agree to pay him what he paid him is he is a better fit when it comes to the 4-3-1 gap scheme that the Bears like to what that Flus likes to run. So uh, when you tell me some of Edmonds, because you reach you mentioned some of maybe the negative, the downside that maybe some of the Bills fans got frustrated with. But tell me what you would think some of his bi- biggest strengths are and how it could benefit a defense like the Bears. I don't think the Bills ever truly unlocked him as a as a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Like I think that to me is where he can. You know, there were times year two, year three, where I think some fans wanted the Bills to consider moving him to the edge because of his speed, his bendability, his ability to kind of get through blocks, even if he doesn't read it right necessarily. But I think using him as that ultimate chess piece, you have to, you know, it's going to be a challenge for Eberflus because on one level, you love what he can do as a coverage linebacker and getting sideline to sideline, you know, eliminating running backs like that kind of get, uh, that catch in the flat and you know he closes in and closes distance so quickly that it's hard to you know effectively run down the field with that without making a mistake and he is hard that's another thing that I saw really pop for him this last season he really started finding the hit stick I mean I, if you play with him as a rookie in Madden because of like his size and mm-hmm. his stature during the video game he's just absolutely obliterating people it looked like that <laughs> on the field last year. and so um, I think that has to be exciting he's He's playing a little bit more nasty, a little bit more physical. Um, the, the further he's and more comfortable he's been in the league. Uh, so I think that's an exciting part of his game as well. Yeah, I, honestly, there's a couple things that I love to hear out of that. Number one, um, I will be interested to see if they do maybe use him in that pass, pass rush a little bit more. The Bears, terrible last year. I, I, we had the least amount of pressures, least amount of sacks on the quarterback. It, our defensive line and linebackers just couldn't get much done whatsoever to the point where our leading sack getter last season was our rookie safety, Jaquan Brisker. That's just how bad it was up front. So I'll be interested to see if that, and hopefully, honestly, they can get something going with that. But also the the hard hitter, the finishing the tackles is such an important thing because I, I feel like there's so many guys out there that you you like, but then you just man like man if they could just tackle a little harder and complete it and like just finish the play because I feel like that's a downfall for a lot of people. So sounds like that's something a positive check in his box in his box. But Sean McDermott mentioned after the trade that Edmonds matured a lot over the five years. And he kind of mentioned meaning on the field and off the field as a player, as a person. And it's kind of crazy because he's actually, like you mentioned, only 24 years old. So he's still young. Um, Is this something that you feel like you watched over the five years he was there? Oh, definitely. And I mean, he came in like they put a lot on his plate early. So I think for him to be able to handle that, there was already a level of maturity um, kind of established, but I think he grew into the leadership role that they asked him to have. I mean, when he got here, Lorenzo Alexander was here, a pro bowler, Kyle Williams, a pro bowler, and he was able to kind of just lead by example. But before long, I mean, second, third season, he really had to take control of this defense. And, you know, they went out and paid Von Miller last year. Before that, you know, Tremaine Edmonds was probably the, the voice in the room and you're calling the defense and um, kind of holding guys accountable. It comes with the territory a little bit. Um, I think at times he's been a little bit hesitant to fully embrace that because he's kind of quiet by nature. 
But by the end, I mean, if you would have watched one of those mic'd up sessions that they do on the sideline, you know, he was really active, talking, uh, engaged, and, and maybe that helped him unlock another part of his game too this past season. But the leadership part of it, I mean, you can't undersell that too. I mean, you're getting like a, a bona fide team captain that has been in the playoffs four or four of his five seasons has helped like you know, basically keep the Bills as a top five defense for the majority of his run in Buffalo. And you know, that's no small accomplishment. The one challenge that I think the Bears are going to have with in terms of seeing the full potential of Edmonds mm-hmm. is he played this past season in front of the best defensive line that he had played in his entire career. Yeah. And now he's going to a Bears team where that's a little bit of a liability. And so without those defensive tackles. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I wonder if that maybe causes Edmonds to regress a little bit because of his inability to, you know, read blocks and, and, and navigate the line of scrimmage at times. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But in terms of the player, the intangibles, the ceiling, the leadership, I mean, he is kind of the full package. And I love that. I, one of the questions I was going to ask is about the leadership side because the linebacker, they've added a ton of linebackers in the free agency. Um, and so the it'll be him at 24. We have an undrafted guy from last year, Jack Sanborn, and the rest have been in the league for a good amount of time. But – it's potential. It's it's quite possible that that defensive line is going to be stacked with young guys in year three and under. So they they do need somebody to kind of step up and be the vocal leader. And it sounds like he has the potential to be that for the Bears, which could be really exciting. But like you said, it is going to be a big task coming from behind a line that the Bills had. Um, which so then a lot of the things we're seeing now in the NFL and is the mobile quarterback. Uh, Josh Allen can do it. Justin Fields can do it. Jalen Hurts can do it. There's all of these quarterbacks now that can move around and really work the entire field. Um, and the importance of being able to contain them as a defense is just has grown tremendously. So I remember when the Bills played Chicago this last year, it was actually Edmonds who they had. They put him as a spy on Justin during the game, which was it's cool to see that because now also we're saying that we have a guy that could potentially be that for the Bears when we're facing teams who have that more mobile quarterback but how important is it now to have that guy on the field and be able to be productive and finding the ball and getting to you know cover so much of the field oh yeah it's important I mean I think the you know at the linebacker position if you don't if you don't come as a dual threat at this stage like being able to cover being able to chase being able to spy I mean you're not going to last very long and I think Edmonds 
that's the part of his game that I think is so intriguing is like it's almost like masked the inability to read or like, you know, shed blocks because he is so able to react because of his speed and quickness. And so with that, when a quarterback tries to escape the pocket, um, you know, we've seen him play against Patrick Mahomes over the last couple of years. And I feel like he's different than Josh Allen, a little bit more of a, you know, effective passer and leans into that a little bit more. But Patrick Mahomes has had some really good games as a, uh, you know, creating with his legs. And he hasn't done much of that against the Bills. And I'd say Edmonds is a big reason why. So I, I do think that that's a piece of his game and something that, you know, as the, as the league continues to trend in that direction, I'm sure Ryan Pohl saw that and was like, sure, that's a piece of this equation. Yeah, I agree. Um, so a few more for you, Matt, before I let you go. You mentioned earlier about his, his confidence and his production when it comes to coverage, and it, it has even improved more. But the Bears allowed the second most rushing yards last season, which is also very weird because that's been our forte for so long is that defensive front. For, so for that to just completely fall apart last season was kind of weird. Um, but would you consider both of those things, talking about coverage and his run defense, as strengths, or would you say that one of those he needs to work a little more on? Well, I thought against the run, he was like borderline elite this year. This was, I thought that was the part of his game that took the biggest jump. I think okay. part of that is, you know, has to do with the defensive line, like I mentioned. And I'm sure that polls, that's the next priority, right? You go out and you find an Edmonds yeah. and you try to build in front of him. And, and I'm, I'm, there's different ways to do it. I'm sure that with the draft capital, um, they'll be able to kind of figure something out. But yeah, I think that from a coverage perspective, too, like it doesn't matter who he ends up on. I mean, unless it's Tyreek Hill, you know, he's going to be able to probably run stride for stride with him. And at his size, it's remarkable to watch. And so when you have that coverage ability and then you, you add into the mix that he's an ascending player as a run defender, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say enough about the package of player that you get if you're the Bears and what it potentially could mean for him, you know, one thing I'm thinking of just right now, in this defense with the Bills for the last five years, I mentioned Williams and, and Alexander. Well, there's also been, like, Poyer and Hyde, mm-hmm. who have been, like, the vets, right? Like, Milano was drafted before him. He was kind of a vet. And then it was, like, you know, on the defensive line, it was Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, and then it became Von Miller. He's never really been the vet. And now it looks like the way that that thing's constructed, he is going to be, like, the nucleus, the center of that team from a talent perspective and from an experience and leadership perspective. And so I really like the idea of him embracing that and maybe even becoming a better player just because of the role that now he plays in that defense. Yeah, I'm super excited. I want to shift this a little bit because obviously there's been comparisons of the Justin Fields, Josh Allen over their first two seasons in the NFL. Um, Josh Allen, just to go over them real quick, I'm sure you've seen it, heard it, but 55.8% completion percentage, a little over 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, 21 interceptions, 1,100 rush yards, 17 rushing touchdowns, and 27 starts. Fields, very similar across the board, 59.7 completion percentage, 4,100 uh passing yards, 24 touchdowns, 22 interceptions, 1,500 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns, and 25 starts. And so this is a two-part question for you. Number one, uh, take me back to after that year two of Josh Allen and what was the conversations around that? Was there panic in the room or did you guys see enough progress in that year that you were like, okay, this he's he'll be fine. We just got to get him some weapons. So the, the, the transformation of Josh Allen's game is, 
is is one of the interesting studies in the league. The rookie year, like if you go back and look at the roster around him, it was horrible. I mean, the the, the skills and players. I mean, he was relying on Kelvin Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Um, they were in the last iteration of LaShawn McCoy as he was kind of declining and their offensive line was just abysmal and Brandon Bean going into his second year made a lot of additions on the offensive line which was huge and you saw a spike in production I mean if you go back and look at his rookie numbers to his second year numbers they're worlds apart in terms of what he was able to do as a passer part of that transformation was John Brown and Cole Beasley two really reliable veterans that they brought in year two and then of course year three the addition of Stefan Diggs, and yeah. that completely changed the game. If you get a bona fide number one receiver for a young quarterback, you build up the offensive line. I mean, that's, that's the recipe to give them the best chance. I mean, for Fields, I remember watching that game in, you know, in Chicago this year, the, the offensive line struggles. I mean, he doesn't have a chance as a passer. It's, mm-hmm. it's no wonder that he's kind of turned into this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to evade the pocket at the first sign of trouble because he's facing a lot of trouble all yeah. the time. And that was the case for Josh Allen. Once things improved, I felt like he was able to kind of take a breath. He was much more, um, you know, his processing improved as well, which is something that will happen naturally with Fields. But it's also about what Fields doing in the offseason. I'm not familiar with his um, regimen, but Josh Allen worked tirelessly. I mean, he, he's out in California with a quarterback coach. As soon as the season ended, he'd go out there, and it would be like two-a-days, like every single day working on his mechanics, working with throwing coaches, working with, um, different like visualists, mentalists, like all this different stuff. And, you know, if you put the time into it, that's, that's, those are the players that I feel like take the most steps. I remember a quote from Baker Mayfield when he was asked going into his third year, if he thought about doing any off-season training with a quarterback specialist. And he said, no, nah, I think that that's, uh, I can't remember the direct quote, but he's like, you know, I, 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 I like what I got going for me, what I've done so far, and I'm going to kind of continue with it. And almost like close-minded to the yeah. opportunity of what that could mean. And we've seen the trans, you know, the, how that's transpired for him. It just hasn't worked. Yeah. You've got to go all in or it's not going to work. And so I think that's the thing with Justin Fields is what's he doing away from the game, away from the team to get better. Yeah, and obviously I don't know every day of Justin Fields, but it doesn't seem like he's taken a break, honestly. And his his mindset when the season ended, he put a lot of blame on himself when pretty much like – there was eight games. The Bears went one and seven in one-score games, and ju- it was solely Justin Fields. I mean, if Justin Fields wasn't on the field, we were losing by 20-plus, and it's that's not even exaggerating. So I I feel like the, just the fact that he did take so much of that blame shows that he, he knows he can get better. He knows there's things that he needs to work on. But like you said, that's why I think Bears fans are kind of hoping at this point that getting DJ Moore kind of solidifies the offense enough and adding Nate Davis that they got from Tennessee – hopefully uh, Paris Johnson or Peter Skaronsky is what we're hoping they draft. And that just automatically takes your offensive line to the next step and gives you that number one wide receiver, which is what it looked like the Bills did, and you saw a massive leap. I, I already see the progression from Josh Allen, year one to two, and then the massive leap for that next year. And Fields had such a similar one, too, that I, not saying that all of a sudden it'll be the Bills because I think we're a little farther away from that. But I do see that there's kind of a trajectory of paths, and it makes us excited at least for that. So one more for you before we let you go, Matt, and this is a little more uh, just personal for the Bills but also relates to the NFC North. Because we're just patiently waiting here for the Jets to make that move and take Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what are the vibes around the AFC East when it comes to that possibility? Are you guys concerned at all? 
Well, I know he quote unquote owned the Bears, but at this, at his, <laughs> I this, hate him so much. It doesn't work out, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he wasn't very good last year. And no. I don't know if um, the the Jets are getting the guy that they're going to try to get. Now, if you're the Jets and your roster's at the at the spot that it's at, it's really good on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I mean, defensively, they are a real problem. You you have to take the swing for the hope that you get any version of the MVP that he was two years ago. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's I think I saw a report that April 7th was about the over-under that people are putting on when the, when a deal could potentially get done. But I'm sure the Jets are motivated to try to get it done before the draft so they can figure out, all right, if they don't get Rodgers, like, they might have to yeah. figure something out and maybe trade to get up and to take a quarterback if one fall. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be fun to watch over the next month. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting scenario because – Aaron Rodgers just did not look good last year. He just does enough. He he can play the Bears no matter what. He could have one leg and beat the Bears, and that's just like some curse that he has over us, so that's why we are ready for him to be gone. But it is just very interesting, especially just kind of like the jokes of the path of like Favre and then now Rodgers and the way that everything went. Um, but obviously you guys look like you are still pre- sitting pretty solid. Are you confident in a, a division win? Um. Ask me after the draft. Okay. We'll see we'll <laughs> okay. see what everything looks like. I mean, I'm still picking the Bills to win the AFC East for yeah. sure at this point. But there's you know, that they, they've made some really nice quiet additions on their offensive line, which to me that's that's another key. If the Bills can can improve on the offensive line, if you if you look at most of those offensive line rankings lists, they rank outside the top fifteen in most of them. Mm-hmm. And from last season. And just think of it, they had the number two offense in the league with that. Just imagine what this could look like if they're able to protect a little bit consistently. Yeah. So if that happens, honestly, it's, you know, can Tua stay healthy? Yeah. Is Tyreek Hill going to continue to be the force that he's been? Like these receivers, it's a race against the clock, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of noise about DeAndre Hopkins right now, but he's going to be 31. And, you know, that this game, it, it fades really quickly at that position. And so it's going to be interesting to see how things hold up for all of these players. I think Diggs, the way that he plays the game, I think he's got a little bit more longevity, which is a nice feather in the Bills' cap. But mm-hmm. it's going to be a fun season. I, it's a much more competitive division now than it has been since um, Josh Allen really took a step. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, thanks, Matt, so much for hopping on with me. I really appreciate it. And um, maybe I'll chat after the draft to see how you feel about that uh, ranking then. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks <laughs> right. for having me. Thanks. Take care. Have a good one. Thanks to Matt Perino. Um, I personally am really excited to see Tremaine Edmonds out there in a Chicago Bears uniform. It will be really interesting to see his production behind probably, as Matt mentioned, not as good of a defensive line that he had in Buffalo. Um, But either way, he definitely was one of the bigger free agents in the market, defensive free agents in the market. So the Bears paid him. And at that point, you just got to hope that it pays off. Uh, so we will see. But uh, keep sticking around this whole week. Again, we're going to go through this list of free agents that the Bears have signed. Our next one is going to be Mickey Ryan of 104.5 The Zone, um, host of Blaine and Mickey and the pregame show for the Tennessee Titans. So tune in through all week as we go through all of these free agents and you know get to we're almost in April now. And when you hit April, you're in the month of the draft. So we're getting closer. Uh, Thanks, everybody. I'm Taylor Dahl for Making Monsters, and I'll catch up with you guys next time.